FMX Network Production. It's the Renthal Reaction Show for breaking moto news, hot topics, and moto by the minute. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Renthal Reaction Podcast. Martin Davalos announcing his retirement from the sport after a, a crash in uh, press day at Salt Lake City 1. Let's dive into that. But first, uh, you guys know the name of Renthal, whether it's uh, Martin Davalos himself using Renthal, whether it's Adam Cien Cirillo, uh, the uh, Honda team, the um, KTM team, whatever it is, Renthal, of course, is used by so many OEMs and so many factory riders out there over the years. They're the winning brand in manufacturing design for the last half century. They continue to lead the world at the very top level of the sport. They've amassed more championship titles than all competing brands combined. With their hard work and dedication detail the rental factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since the beginning in 1969, Renthal.com for more information on the bars, on the grips, on the chains, on the sprockets, and everything else that those guys carry. With me to discuss Marty and his legacy is Renthal's own Paul Parabinos. What's up, Paul? How are you, man? Yeah, what's up, Steve? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for doing this with me. Uh, certainly kind of took the... Uh, hits by storm a little bit so he marty davalos had signed a two-year deal with team tedder at the beginning of this year and um you know by all intentions and inter- appeared to race for the next couple of years he had a rough season this year crashed on press day knocked himself out and then said hey i was gonna end it at the end of the year anyway so here i am now uh announcing it but uh before we get into what you know, it was like, and Paul, you were a teammate with him at Pro Circuit. Uh, how surprised were you to see that he uh, he was going to hang it up? Yeah, I, I was very surprised. I didn't know that was the plan after the end of the year, right? Like I thought, um, like you mentioned, I just, I just thought he would be around another year. Um, you know, he's still there every single weekend, right? Like right around the top ten, he's still making a decent living. But um, but Marty's been through a lot of injuries and a lot of a lot of crashes and, and maybe he, uh, yeah, he must've had a plan, um, to hang it up at the end of the year. And then this crash just made it a bit premature. So, um, but man, he's, he's such a well-liked guy in the pits. I did have a privilege of, and I say privilege because he really was a, an awesome guy to be a teammate with. Um, he was just, he's just an awesome dude. And, um, you could see that from his social media when he announced that a lot of people were chiming in and, and, and he's basically friends with everybody out there. Um, so, yeah, pretty gnarly career, especially coming from Ecuador just by himself, you know, and an MTF kid. And he made a really good life for himself here in America by racing motorcycles. Yeah, when you were racing pro and an amateur, or before you raced pro, coming up as an amateur in Florida, he was based out of there. Did you run into him at all? Did you know him back then at all? Or was he a little bit after you? He was, um, Marty's a bit younger than me, but, yeah. um, Marty, Marty was a Suzuki amateur kid. So back in the Cole Grest days, um, and really a, a lot of that I think has to do with Colleen Millsaps. Um, so obviously Davey was a amateur standout and he was a Suzuki amateur guy and Marty came to America and, and kind of set up shop at MTF. And I think Colleen was really pivotal in the beginning, uh, as far as getting him on amateur Suzuki. And, and I think even his first pro ride at star. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Marty still to this day is, is a MTF guy, Cairo guy, you know, he has a little shop there. He always rides there. He lives there. He met his wife in Georgia. So, um, 
whatever he plans to do after this, I don't see him leaving that, that kind of area of the country. Yeah, definitely. You know, we went to Red Dogs for a couple of years there, went back to MTF. Yeah, his wife is a dental hygienist or something like that. She's been successful in her career. So, you know, there's certainly going to be, he's, he's a father too. So, I mean, when you go through this year, Paul, he came in, you know, he, he kind of, right from the start, he crashed a lot. There was a streak of, I want to say, 10 or 11 out of 12 main events that he crashed in. Um, uh, there was only one, I think, that he'd made it through, uh, and one of them, else, uh, his bike broke. So he, he had a, a good, successful year last year, almost made the podium on Team Tedder. But this year, Paul has not been kind to him, and uh, he's always been a bit of a crasher. But I wonder, you know, if this year had gone smoother, if he was going to come back, or if it was just, you know, again, this year he hit the ground a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoke to him about that or, or, or why he decided to do it this year, if it was from all the crashing. But for sure, I think um, I think he was really frustrated this year, right? You interviewed him a few times, and yeah, to crash so many so often. I mean, um, it had to have been a really frustrating time for him. Um, so yeah, maybe something else has just um, presented itself, and and it was time to hang it up. Rental.com reaction to Marty Davalos uh, announcing his retirement. Absolutely. Um, Blazing speed, so talented on a bike. I mean, we forget last year, Adam Cincirillo had uh, the fastest time, I think, in the first nine practices of the year, or eight uh, practices, and in the ninth practice or the tenth practice, the man who took him down was a, essentially a privateer. Marty Davalos took his time down and set the fastest. Well, I mean, that's the kind of rider he is. Yeah, I mean, uh, dude, he goes so fast. He still goes fast today, <laughs> uh, obviously. Um, I mean, he's always been so good in the whoops. Uh, and really, I mean, he's, he's just an awesome person. He has such a good personality and his accent makes for a lot of funny jokes. There's a lot of good Marty isms in the pits, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, as far as like, I don't know what I'm doing out there or a real popular famous one is from when he was on a motorsport Suzuki. And, uh, he told his mechanic that, um, my bike is so slow. I can count the rocks going up the hill. <laughs> that was that, that was at Glen Helen. A lot of people say that we say that all the time. You know, we said that in the shop at PC quite a bit. So, um, but dude, like, yeah, as far as, you know, again, my time with him as when yeah. he was a professional and when I was a mechanic, um, he was just, he was like, uh, a pleasure to have on the team. Like he brought everybody together. He was always, I mean, he was always punctual, punctual. He was respectful. Yep. I mean, at the end of every race, he would shake everybody's hand, not even just his mechanic or bones or, or Mitch, everybody, yep. everybody on the whole, on the whole team. Right. He would carpool with guys. He'd show up early to the track and help groom stuff. Really? Um, wow. and, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he was, he was just a, he was just a pleasure to have on the team. Right. And he rode the bike good. Right. He didn't, didn't rev it, didn't drag the brake, didn't abuse the clutch. So he was just, I mean, he was a good test rider. And the honestly, one of the coolest things about him was he was the bar so many times or at least every year I was there, he was the bar as far as when you go to the track during the week, if you can go as fast as Marty, that was the speed it took to win. Like that's how fast he was. He was always fast. And for the longest time, it was like, man, if we could, you know, we put an X on his hand on Wednesday and we like, if we can get this guy to show up on Saturday, there's nobody that can beat him. So, um, yeah, man, he, yep. he came so close to titles a couple times, right? I think that one year at PC when, when he got assholed in the first turn and, and messed his neck up, I think he was going to be really good that year. And even he went uh, further a couple of years beforehand, right? When he had a, and I think he had a chain go bad the, the, the practice track. Yeah. The first, first year, 
Dallas Supercross. He wins the heat. He looks amazing all day. And it's first round. He goes down and crashes hard, hurts his neck. He also gets stuck in Toronto with immigration one year when he's riding the points leader oh, yeah. right there. And then, yes, with one or two rounds to go and a nice points lead uh, that he had gotten kind of through attrition, his chain broke uh, at Pro Circuit and uh, and hurt himself. So there's there's definitely a, a path where you could see Marty being a two-time 250 Supercross champion, you know, as, as yeah. opposed to not having any titles at all. And I think, like, obviously all the things that you just talked about, Paul, were awesome about him being so cool and shaking hands and everything else. Um, you also can make a case that he's one of the faster riders. You know, when you look at fast riders with no wins, uh, Steve Lampson comes to mind, Guy Cooper, Tammy Ferry, um, these type of guys come to mind. But Marty might be the fastest 250 guy with the least amount of wins, right? I think he's only got four 250 Supercross wins, maybe five, and he could have had a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So many times, right, it's just little stupid things and, and you know, crashing here or there. And, and it was this, it was always hard for him to get over the hump of getting that first win. And he finally got it. I think in Atlanta of all places, right. Atlanta's yep. always been a, it's just, it's kind of a, you know, a fairy tale story. How, how so many times he Atlanta was the spot and it's where he grew up and, and, you know, was always at MTF and, um, just, I think he had a lot of special moments in his career. So I think he, I hope he looks back and, and is very proud of what he did. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think the, again, the person that he was in the sport, um, was what's is what I'll remember at least from Marty, you know, he's just always been a good person. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of guys and riders can learn so much from him. I mean, he's been on pretty much factory equipment his entire career. And that's not just because he has speed and, mm-hmm. and race winning speed. It's because of the person he was right. Like he is, I should say. Um, he just, again, he's a pleasure to have on a team. And I think uh, a lot of guys can learn from, uh, from, from, from those things from Marty. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no secret. I was hard on him and I was critical of him many times. And it was all because I looked at his talent. I looked at the bikes he had, and I'm like, this guy's underachieving. There was a point where he was getting injured so much. He had only done, I want to say, less than half of the outdoor races that he had been sp- scheduled to ride because of injury. And then I felt like he underperformed in the 250 class. And I got to the point where I was like, hey, it's not working, Marty. You should move up. You have a lot of skill and talent. And uh, obviously, look, I was critical of him. Again, I'm not going to sit here and just say I was perfect with Marty and all the time, but I was stoked that when he got on a Husky 450, he podium an outdoor race. He he showed speed on a 450. He made a, a, a almost made the podium in a main lap. I believe he made a triple crown podium at one round. Like I felt like, dude, you could do really well in 450s, and this 250 thing ain't happening. Now we can. This isn't the podcast to get into. Uh, he only stayed down because of the money, and and I get it. I understand that. That's why he chose to stay down in the class and become a bit of a punching bag for guys like myself and others about staying down. But he wasn't. You know, he wasn't breaking any rules or anything. But man, I'm stoked that uh, although he's hanging it up, he got to ride a 450 at a high level and did very well. Yeah. Yeah. He finally did get that chance, right. To be on uh, a 450 factory equipment 450. And I think that was, you know, many, many times, you know, talking amongst friends that are uh, part, you know, part of Marty's little circle, right? Like he wanted to go to the 450 class many times, but there's just never an opportunity. And when somebody is handing him a contract, that's factory 250 equipment and a salary and, and turnkey operation, like that's what he had to do. Right. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's made smart decisions and, and, and really 
got a lot of years out of his career, especially with how much, you know, how many crashes he had, which, you know, that was always tough. He's been through a lot of injuries, like you mentioned, but, but yeah, man, he got, a, I think he was podium outdoors. Uh, he almost got one indoors, I think at Atlanta. Um, so he definitely showed a lot of success and speed on a 450 as well. So he, he I'm also glad made, we got to see He it. made the podium his second ever 250 supercross race on a star bike, third place. So wow. That's, yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah. And has there ever been a rider, uh, Paul, who trusted his front tire more than Martin Davalos? Mm, no, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. I mean, that dude... <laughs> Yeah, he, he would push the knobbies to the to the limit on the front for sure. Uh, Mitch Payton loved him too, didn't he? Like whenever I got into stuff, arguments with Mitch, you know, he'd be like, "What are you doing?" And you know how Mitch goes, and he would talk to me, and I'd be like, "You got to hire this guy or that guy." He's like, "Marty's fast. Marty's a good guy." <laughs> like he, Mitch Payton loved Martin Davalos. Yeah, and and again, for all the yep. reasons that I mentioned, right? right. Like it wasn't. Yes, he had the potential to win on the weekend, and that was very important and paramount, probably, and and in the decision Mitch made. But it was the guy he was during the week and how he was with the team. Like you know, he's just a he's a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He uh, was it was it when you say he was on like you were working for Dean and uh, Baggett during these years, right? That he was there. Um, I think so. Yeah. Was he? ultra competitive did you wish you saw more fire from him at times did you feel like he put everything he had into it oh yeah oh yeah and i mean he was competitive during the week but he was he was humble like uh you know i mean he would burn up all those guys at the lap at the practice track on the stopwatch lots of times but it wasn't like he would get cocky because of it okay yeah yeah. i mean no he was just so even keel like he was again he was just he was cool man he'd go with the flow and and, um, yeah, I, I just, and again, yeah, that's why I think, I, I think I defended him, uh, you know, towards you many times because again, yeah, I got a chance to work with him. And, and if you had a chance to work with him, you would, you would think the same thing. He's just, um, he's just a good dude. We've been good the last few years. Tim Ferry helped bury that a little bit. And he certainly was pissed at me at times, but as you <laughs> said, he's a good guy and he seemed to let it go. And then when I was telling him, dude, I just think you, you could do really well on a 450. Like, I just think that that's, that's my main thing with you is like, you could do really well on a 450 if you wanted to. And he's, and you know, we got into it a little bit, but in the end, like, he got my respect and I think I got some of his a little bit, which says something about his character. You know, I mean, I made a joke one time that, and I, and I, and I regret this, but I said, you know, I think he's got a gun and a mask and he's sticking up these team managers for this money. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, it was a joke, but it, you know, it, it, there was some, some uh, truth to it in my eyes. And I was just like, ah, that's a little bit too much, but, but you know what I mean? So for me saying those things, I mean, he, he didn't hold it against me. You know, he was still a nice guy when we actually got to talk it out through, uh, through Red Dog. Yeah. He buried it with you. And, and, and I mean, I guess he'll, I'm sure look back at that and, 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 you know, he's confident that he can, he has a lot of friends in the sport. And I don't think he has many people that will say a bad word about him. Like I really yeah. don't know anybody yep. that will say a bad word about him. Right. So I think, I think he has a future in, in the sport still. I don't know what his plans are. And, you know, I'm sure Colleen and, uh, and little Brian Johnson and big Brian would mm-hmm. love to have him, you know, at MTF joining them on their coaching staff, who knows what his plans are, but I'm positive. They would love to have him there. Right. So he's just been there his whole life. He's part of that place. Um, so we'll see what he's, what he's up to. He's super fortunate. He's made a lot of money too. He can probably take some time here and, and figure out what he wants to do, you know? Yeah. 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 Hopefully. Yeah. And his, his, like, like you mentioned, his wife, 
um, is successful as well too. And, you know, they got a home in Georgia and, and a young, young child. So, um, yeah, maybe he's just going to be stay at home dad for a while. But, uh, but I have a feeling he has, he has something lined up. He, uh, I heard a couple things through the grapevine also. So I, I think he's got some stuff going on. He had some hellacious crashes, Paul. So. Yeah, the Phoenix one. The Phoenix <laughs> one is what sticks out to me. Over the bar. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the same jump that retired Kevin Windham, right? Like Kevin retired the following weekend after that. That it was like a, a yeah. jump on, jump off at Phoenix into a corner, yeah. and everyone yeah. was quadding it. And yeah, Marty went through the tough blocks, and man, he he did have some some highlight ones for sure. He he crashed seven <laughs> times in the heat race in Atlanta this year. I think he he what. He, Really? Yeah, the, the the first mud race. I, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also <laughs> cartwheeled through Anaheim Stadium. His muffler flew off and stuff. <laughs> he yeah, uh, he's had some big ones. He was in Geneva. I was in Geneva with him, and he mm-hmm. won the first night. He was amazing on a bone stock bike with some suspension and a muffler. And uh, and then the next night he was leading, and he lost his front end. It's and Brayton won. <laughs> but like you know, he's had some big crashes too. Like like you alluded to some injuries and stuff like that. That that he always seemed to spring back from. But with the speed, man, there was some serious whoop speed with him. There was real technical skills. Like he could string together a rhythm, no problem. You know, very technical yeah. rider. So there was some serious skills there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his whoop speed is is something that he has been known for. Contrary to you know that one thing we read in that one interview a while back, but yeah, he's always been really good in the loops and some spectacular crashes, but oftentimes, man, he would get up. The guy was like rubber a lot of yeah. times and he'd, and he'd go back out there. He always gave, gave you everything, right? Like, I mean, he would show up to the track sometimes and be nursing an ankle or a wrist or something. And, but he'd still give it, give you your all every time. I think too, uh, not enough is made about him, you know, coming from Ecuador, you know, a country way down there South and, you know, it's tough to come in and, be not motocross power by any means or anything like that. It's not like it's Australia or France or any of these other guys. I mean, the guy came from a long way uh, with not much and really made the American dream, you know? And so that's, that's really cool to see uh, also. Yeah. That's, I think the most impressive part. I mean, I, I think he just came to, to America to try to ride some amateur races and met the mill sapses and stayed for a while to train with them. And then before you know it, he's just like, I'm just not, I'm not going home. Um, you know, got hooked up with Cole Grass and amateur Suzuki and then went on to star as a professional, like we mentioned. And then MDK and, KTM, um, he was a KTM. Next yeah. I mean, right. He's rode for many places and he's gone back to ride for, you know, the same team multiple yeah. times. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and again, that's just another judge of his character. We've seen Justin Brayton do similar things. And if a team want, will have you back after a year or two gone, I think that's a real, um, real big, uh, judge of, or, you know, like a, uh, you know, indicator, 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 great word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, rental.com reaction, Martin Davalos retiring. How's everything at rental? What's going on? You guys still, still trying to meet the demand of everybody placing orders. I imagine. Yeah. 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 That's definitely the, one of the bigger challenges. Um, we just have a lot of demand from all our customers worldwide, all our distributors. So, right. um, we're running, we're running night shifts in England. We're, um, buying as much raw material as we can. And raw material was an issue for a while, but it's getting better. Um, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, uh, the demand for our stuff right now. So, um, yeah, really thankful for that working on some new things too. And, uh, yeah, I think we got some exciting stuff to, 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 to bring here in the next like 24 months or so. I, uh, before we let you go here on the rental reaction, um, we got to ask you, you were on the public show a couple weeks ago and your rant was the race day live this weekend. 
well, actually, it was just a week ago. And so now this week for Salt Lake City, they, they had Brayton there, Dan Hubbard. And the re- I didn't watch it. I was at the race. But the reviews on, on social media, Paul, people were giving you some credit. They were much happier with the Race Day Live production. Were you, though? Uh, I, I was. I mean, I don't think it's really any doing part to right. my rant. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe the Pulp Show is making the sport better one show at a time. Uh, <laughs> but maybe, um, maybe, yeah, I'm sure everything, all the ideas they had were in place for a while, right? But, um, but yeah, my big angle was I think that show is, is for, I don't think they understood who the customer of that show was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's for all us nerds that know and follow the sport. And we want to see all the stuff that J bone and, and Brayton were talking about this weekend, more bike stuff, show us all the fast laps, show us all the riders. You know, we don't need to know about McAdoo's crash anymore and things like that. So, right, right. um, yeah, it was, it was better this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. They followed guys on their hot laps. I heard they actually kept the camera on. That was, that was, that yep. was the impressive moment. So, yeah, well, you certainly got a good rise out of people. I don't know how much you checked your mentions and everything else, but people were, uh, we had a YouTube thing on it and, uh, and social media and people were very much in agreement with you and Mark's and, about the race day live. And some people thought they were doing it on purpose and all laughing back in the control room. Cause it was <laughs> that bad. Uh, but this year, this week it was better. So that's good. Yep. I like it. I like it. Cool. Uh, Martin Davalos, uh, retiring the rental reaction pod as you, uh, that's cool that you were teammates with him, Paul. And, uh, and you can vouch for being with him day in and day out. And, uh, I mean, look, we're not going to have Marty to, uh, to talk about how blazing fast he was. And then he crashed anymore or, or Marty did really well. Or uh, did we see Marty or Marty saying, I don't know what I'm doing. It's going to, I'm going to miss all those <laughs> moments for, <laughs> yeah. with Marty Davalos. Yeah always a good interview for you. I'm sure. Right. Yep. Like he would, I'm, I would imagine he'd always do an interview no matter what happened on his night. So, yep. um, I think a lot of, a lot of people in the pits are going to pits are going to miss Marty. Cause yeah, he was always smiling. Um, always in a good mood and always exciting too. Well said. Thanks Paul. Thanks for coming on the rent reaction. Thanks buddy. See ya.